Crystal, your weekly dose of inspiration sprinkled with a dash of practical solutions. I'm Dr. Crystal, your host. Today's topic is communication in the marriage. And I hope you guys are doing great on this lovely Sunday afternoon. Here in the metro Atlanta area, we're experiencing a beautiful sunny Sunday afternoon. And I thought communication would be just the perfect topic for us to bring this lovely Sunday afternoon to a close. So you ask, what is communication? Communication is the imparting or interchange of thoughts, opinions, or information by speech, writing, or signs. So with all those forms of communication, you have to ask, where's the breakdown? Why is it so hard for us to talk to one another? Why is it so hard for us to communicate with our spouses? Well, James chapter 4, verses 1 through 2 say, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, but you don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. You do not ask God. How often do we pray before we reach out to communicate with someone? How often do we seek God's guidance in how to hold a conversation, especially a conversation with our spouses? You know, how, how should we communicate? Well, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 19 says, Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. That sounds lovely. That sounds so eloquent. But how often is it that that's your communication style? How often, especially when you're talking to your spouse, is that your communication style? How often, when you're talking to your spouse, are you even speaking from the Spirit? You know, when you've worked all day, when you're tired, when you spent time with the kids, the laundry's piling up, you know, the bills are due. How often is your communication style in any way as though you're speaking from the Psalms, from hymns, or with songs of the Spirit? You know, our communication styles are as varied as we are. However, today, I would like to just touch upon a few with you. First of all, there's verbal communication. And verbal communication, believe it or not, has more to do with listening than with talking. That's right, verbal communication has more to do with listening than talking. To communicate effectively, you have to meet the other person's need. And the only way to truly know what the need is would be to listen, to gain an understanding of what the other person is communicating. And then there's nonverbal communication, our body language. And that's something that's done subconsciously. Our facial expressions, our gestures, sometimes even grunts, sighs, and whispers. All of those things tend to fall into nonverbal communication. So while we communicate both verbally and nonverbally, how do you communicate your love, right? Whether it's to your spouse, Your siblings, your parents, your children, how do you communicate your love, especially to your spouses? Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 through 6 read, According 
accordingly, as he had chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he had made us accepted in the beloved. The scripture says that we are chosen by God. So how does that make you feel? How does it make you feel today on this sunny Sunday afternoon to know that you are chosen by God? Now think about that feeling. Do you extend that feeling to others? You know, everyone needs to feel like they belong. Think of someone you know who's truly happy. Do they spend their time focusing on the love they receive from people? Or do they focus more on the love and blessings they receive from God? You know, again, everyone needs to feel loved and secure. However, that need, the need looks different in everyone. Some people long to be accepted by many and to always be a part of the crowd, while others feel perfectly content with the knowledge that they are loved and accepted by their immediate family. So where does your security and comfort come from? You know, in a lot of cases, we desire to be loved and that love is not returned. So how does that make you feel? You know, when you desire to love someone, but for whatever reason, they're incapable of loving you back. Do you still extend your love to those who don't love you? or to those whom you feel are undeserving of your love? You know, when you ask, how do you love? In the book, The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman, he describes five different love languages. And those love languages are words of affirmation. So that's verbal praise and encouragement. You know, the thank yous, compliments to you and to others, special notes or tokens of thanks, verbal affirmation, either to you personally or about you to others. Then there's quality time. That's having others undivided attention. You know, you enjoy having people come over and just hang out, sharing quality activities and conversations with others, really getting inside someone's head to know their most intimate thoughts. And then there are gifts, right? Those are visual tokens of love, prizes, awards, There's acts of service, so that's doing for others. Having others um, do for you, that's acts of service. And then physical touch, the pats on the back, the hugs, the friendly elbow jabs, you know, the sitting next to your spouse, just being, you know, not necessarily talking, but just being there, holding hands, putting your head on his shoulder, you know, or any other type of physical touch. I encourage you to really think about these. Again, they are words of affirmation, quality time, gifts, acts of service, and physical touch. Really think about them and identify which one resembles your definition of love. I also then challenge you to take it a step further and consider which one resembles your spouse's definition of love. I know for me, for years, I defined love as quality time. I can recall when my husband and I first met, I would call him every day at the same time. 
To me, I looked forward to this because I longed to share my day with him. The good, the bad, and everything in between. But one day, he asked me something, and it was a few months into our relationship, and to me, again, because this is how I perceived love, his question sounded a little strange. But I didn't really pay too much attention to it at the time. He asked, why do you call me every day around 4.30? Now, to me, calling at 4.30 was as natural as breathing because that was my first available opportunity to call him. I would get off from work at 4 o'clock. It was about a 10-minute drive to my house. Get in, get changed, call him. However, it took me years, many years, right? We will be married 25 years in August. It took me many years. And it wasn't until about nine years ago that I realized quality time is not his love language. So when you recognize that, how do we avoid the miscommunication? So for all those years, there was that miscommunication. So let's consider Proverbs chapter 10, verse 19, which says, When words are many, sin is not absent, but he who holds his tongue is wise. So I want to outline a few things to you on how we avoid missing communication. One, as we stated earlier, we listen. So how do we hold our tongue? By listening. We concentrate on hearing. And if you are the talkative one in your relationship, you have to begin to make an intentional effort to concentrate on hearing what the other person is communicating to you. Then secondly, there's eye contact. It's the meeting of the eyes between two people. And I'm not talking about sitting there staring lovingly into your spouse's eyes, but it's simply holding your head up and looking at them eye to eye when they're speaking to you. You know, when you think of how you could spend countless hours just gazing into someone's eyes, like back when you first met your spouse, you know, you just wanted to look at them and talk to them and be around them. When was the last time that you simply sat and looked into your spouse's eyes? Or have you gotten so caught up with the busyness of life that you're talking to your spouse's back as they're coming and going, or they're talking to your, your back as you're coming and going? You know, the eyes can tell a lot about a person. Consider a smile, right? Anyone can smile with their lips, but only a truly sincere smile will reach the eyes. But how will you know that if you don't take the time to look at your spouse? How will you know that? How will you know that it's a true, sincere smile if you're not truly looking and making eye contact with your spouse? Our eyes reflect many emotions beyond happiness. Our eyes let us know when our spouses are tired, when they're bored, when they're frustrated, and so on and so forth. So look to the eyes. Even when the words don't sound quite right, look to the eyes. So we know listening 
and eye contact are two ways to avoid miscommunication. The third way is physical contact. Do you, do you recall the old my bell saying, reach out and touch, touch someone, right? That old telephone commercial. When was the last time you reached out and touched your spouse? The touch is a very simple yet humbling gesture, especially in the midst of a communication breakdown. A touch on the arm can bring calm reassurance. When you just lean in and gently touch someone, it kind of lets them know, I'm here with you. It's going to be okay. You know, it says to the spouse, to your spouse, that you're here, you know, that you're with them, that you want to keep that bond of unity intact. Fourth, we have to be sensitive to tone and time. When we engage with our spouse in conversation, and we're talking about very delicate topics, we have to be very mindful of our approach. How you address them and how you present the topic can make all the difference in the outcome of the conversation. Likewise, you should be just as mindful in your response when your spouse approaches you with something. Timing is also key, right? So after a long day of work or a hard day with the kids, that would not make for the most opportune time to address important matters with your spouse. You know, matters that may not be the most pleasant things to talk about. You want to make sure that you save difficult conversations for times when you both are clear-minded and rested. And in this way, your focus will be on the matter at hand and you'll be able to clearly hear the facts and address the situation accordingly. So the fifth way to avoid miscommunication is stating facts and asking questions. So we know, again, to avoid miscommunication, first, we listen, there's listening. Two, there's eye contact. Three, there's physical contact. Four, we have to be sensitive to tone and time. And lastly, we have to state facts and ask questions. You know, it's important that when you're in the middle of a heated conversation, you stick to the facts. Don't throw in what you heard or don't throw in what you believe or what you feel. Stick to the facts. The conversation will go a lot further if you stick to what you know to be true. Also, ask questions. Never accuse your spouse of anything. Even if you believe you have all the facts, and even if you believe all those facts are in line, it is important that you ask and not tell. So again, the five ways to avoid miscommunication. Listen, eye contact, physical contact, sensitivity to tone and time, and stating facts and asking questions. You know, so often our spouses are the ones who are the recipients of the hurtful words that we throw out. And Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21 says, the tongue has the power of life and death. Guys, if you don't take anything else away from this conversation that we're having today, please remember that once a word is spoken, it can never be taken back. 
So how do we go from longing to spend all of our time with someone to using our words to hurt them? Well, one thing that causes that is unrealized expectations. Ask yourself, have you communicated your expectations to your spouse? You know, did you go into your relationship being accepting of certain behaviors only to now decide that since you're married, you can change midstream and say, oh, what I really meant was I want this or, oh, no, no, what I really meant is this is how I want that. But guess what? That's not fair, right? So unrealized expectations is one way that um, our words can hurt. One, one other way that causes us to come to the point where we're using hurtful words is when we're carrying around old baggage. You know, did you bring hurts from a previous relationship into your marriage? Or did you bring even unresolved hurt from the relationship that you and your spouse had during your dating relationship into your marriage? You know, and if you did, maybe you should take some time and talk through your hurts and the anxieties with a trusted friend or a trained professional. Because you don't want to have that old baggage clogging up this new relationship that you're building. And I don't care if you've been married five weeks, five months, five years, 25 years, 50 years. It is never too late to begin to work on resolving unresolved issues. So I have 10 steps in closing that I would like to share with you guys on resolving conflict. One, have a willingness to compromise. Two, silence is not always golden. Three, never lie, the truth is free. Four, don't assume. Five, discuss the facts. Six, leave the past in the past. Seven, focus on the situation at hand. Eight, be open about your feelings. Nine, use I feel, not you are statements. And 10, look towards the future. So this concludes our time for today. Make sure to tune in again next Sunday for Coffee with Crystal. And remember, God is a God of grace. And each new day provides us with the opportunity to begin again. Choose God and may the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Welcome to the first day of the rest of your life. Thank you.